God wants me to tell you that you thought it was over, but it's not over. You thought it wasn't gonna happen, but it is gonna happen. And it's time for you to believe again. So if that's for you, just receive that. So we're in the foundation series, and you can follow along if you got a mobile phone or app uh, or just a tablet. There's an app for version of the Bible app. You can follow all the notes on version there. So the foundation series is based on Psalm chapter 11, verse three, which says, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? And that is a very, very loaded question because if we don't have a foundation, then we really got nothing that we can do. We're not gonna be able to stand the tests and the trials and tribulations that hit us in life. We're not gonna be able to stand up when our faith is tested. We're not gonna be able to stand up on anything. So we have to have a foundation. And right now, it's very important with the way that our culture is versus the kingdom of God. There is a culture that stands in stark contrast to the way the kingdom of God operates. I'm telling you, we can, we can operate in the kingdom because we have the kingdom in us and we can overcome the world because greater is he that is within us than he who is within the world. Now, it's important that we have that solid foundation. And it's crucial that we are anchored in hope. And what are we really doing here with these foundations? We're learning to live from a new position, how to operate at a new level. And we're learning to live in the kingdom of God and we're growing in who we are. Now, when we're born again, the new birth, it's instantaneous, right? We repent, we believe that Jesus is Lord, we confess him with our mouth, believe it in our hearts, and instantaneously we become a new creation, which is a glorious new birth. Now, the process of learning about who we are and that new creation, that's a different story. That's a journey of discovery. It says it like this in 1 Peter chapter two. Like babies that were just born, you should long for the pure milk of God's word. It will help you grow up as believers. You can do it now that you have tasted how good the Lord is. It's in God's word where we get to know God as a good father. It's in God's word that we get to know him as a benevolent God. It's in his word that we get acquainted with him and we get to understand his passion for us. It's in his word where we can discover his love, his nature, how much he cares for us and how much he loves us. He is everything the word says he is. He is everything the word says he is, okay? He can do everything the word says he can do. Therefore, I am everything the word says that I am and I can do everything that the word says that I can do but we need training and development. We have to learn this mindset of the kingdom, okay? And it reminds me of, anybody ever seen the movie Man of Steel, Superman? Okay, everybody knows Superman. He's pretty much indestructible, okay. So Superman, as a child, as a baby, he's still Superman. He's still invincible. He's got everything that he needs to be Superman, but he doesn't know who he is. He has to go on this journey of discovery to find out who he is. And I love in The Man of Steel how you, you hear the narrative and Russell Crowe's voice is awesome. So it just makes it even that much better. So he's telling him that he is stronger than he could ever imagine. And he has to find out how strong he is. And the only way that he can do that is to keep testing his limits. He doesn't even know he can fly and then he flies. I'm telling you that you are a lot stronger than you know. And the only way you're gonna find out how strong you are is to keep testing the limits. Will you come up against obstacles? Yes, but you'll break through them. Will you come up against limitations? Yes, but the unlimited one is inside you. He's, his power is working within you. 
And it's not just about gaining knowledge. It's about practicing this identity. And it's about playing it out in a real life culture, in, in, in the world. We're playing out our identity from the kingdom of God into a real world so that way people can know and taste and see that the Lord is good. And there's a big difference between simply getting our needs met and walking in our inheritance. All a baby knows how to do is get its needs met. It cries, put a ball in its mouth, and you feed it. So there's a big difference between simply getting your needs met, which is great. I love God as a provider. But there's a big difference as we grow and develop into his sons and daughters and actually walk in that inheritance and the richness of his goodness. It says it like this in Acts. It states that it's God's word, the Bible, that is able to build us up and to give us our inheritance. So we need to fully lose and let go of who we think we are and grab hold of who we really are in Christ. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says like this, Christ is the living stone. People did not accept him, but God chose him. God places the highest value on him. You are also like living stones. As you come to him, you are being built into a house of worship. There you will be holy priest. You will offer spiritual sacrifices. And I love this part. God will accept them because of what Jesus Christ has done. See, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is our everything. It's Jesus who came full of grace and truth. And a quick recap of last week, we saw in John chapter one, verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So we define grace as the empowering presence of God that enables us to be like Jesus. We define truth as God's perspective of us in Jesus. So God sees us through the finished work of the cross. We are perfect in his sight because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We are covered by that perfect sacrifice. Thank God. But then we open up our eyes and we see who we are right now. So it's God's grace and empowering presence that's with us every step of the way from babies to mature Christians and to mature believers. So God's grace is empowering us and he's with us all the time, helping us. And he always looks at us from a positive perspective of perfection and truth. That was just the intro. Okay, you guys ready? So I came to preach tonight. So this is gonna be good. Now what I said at the beginning is gonna really make sense once we go through this and start understanding this first foundational truth from Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter six, beginning in verse one, says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, grace and truth, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of, number one, repentance from dead works, Number two, faith toward God. Number three, doctrine of baptisms. Number four, laying on of hands. Number five, resurrection of the dead. And six, eternal judgment. We're gonna hit this first one tonight. And they are in order for a reason. Okay, I want you to remember that. They're in order for a reason. Now, repentance from dead works. Repentance is a, can be a word that invokes negative feelings because of how Christians have used it. You know, you need to repent of that negative behavior. Remember what we talked about last week, how in the kingdom, we're calling people up to their identity. We're not calling them out because of their behavior. 
But I have heard that word repent be used so many times to manipulate and condemn and to try to control people to exhibit a certain behavior that makes them appear to be holy or appear to be a believer. But God's after so much more. Repentance is to change your perspective or to turn. It's a persuasion of heart. It's a heart issue. And when we repent, it's more important what we turn to than what we turn from. Repentance is a decision. It's not an emotion. We've all experienced remorse and regret at some point. But does that develop true repentance? Absolutely not. Those are emotions that we should have, that we were sensitive to the things that we're doing and how they affect people. But that's not repentance. Repentance is just simply feeling sorry for something that I did because maybe I got caught or maybe I got exposed and I fear the consequences. So to limit the effect of those consequences, I'm gonna act like I'm sad because I did what I did. That's not repentance. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's a matter of the heart. So it's like a walk, okay? So if I'm walking in this direction, you can see my shadow, okay? I'm walking into darkness. I am born to walk into darkness. I am born, every, every baby that's ever born has the sin nature in them and it is born to walk in darkness. There is no choice in the matter, okay? So the light is behind me, which represents God, and I am walking away from that light. The further I walk away from that light, the larger this darkness becomes, the larger my shadow becomes. But if I turn away and turn to the light, then I experience God and all of his goodness. And our goal is to exhibit the goodness of God in such a way and let our light shine so bright that we save people from that continual walk into eternal destruction. True repentance comes before true belief. In Mark chapter one, verse 14, it says, but after John was delivered up, Jesus came to Galilee and was preaching the good news of the kingdom. And he said, the time is complete and the kingdom of God has arrived. Repent and believe the good news. So the first command that proceeded from the lips of Jesus was, say it with me, repent. So it's not a bad word. That was Jesus' first command, repent and believe. And I see this, and I believe this is a frustration for so many believers. We're trying to believe, but we haven't had an attitude of repentance. So what happens when we repent, again, it's not this thing that we're feeling sorry for ourselves, we're dumping all this shame on top of us. It's not a negative thing. Repentance is an awesome thing. I repent probably 100 times a day because it simply means that you're changing your perspective. Remember, we're learning to live in the kingdom of God. We're learning to live from the perspective of grace and truth. So we need this training and we need this development so that way we can see with a new set of eyes, which is the eyes that Jesus gave us. So what happens is, so many believers, they're believing for things, they're making these bold declarations of faith, making a big show out of it, and yes, they mean well, but faith isn't just a determination of the will. So what I said at the beginning, those things that you're believing for, they're gonna come to pass, but here's the first step, it's repent. Fully persuade your heart that God is good. You fully persuade your heart that God is good and turn towards that goodness. Operate in an attitude of grace and truth and your belief's gonna start working. 
Okay, I see light bulbs over some of your heads. That's good. Some of you are staring at me like a cow looking at a new fence. You guys hear me? You guys hear what I'm saying? You guys have, you guys have things that you've been believing for that you haven't seen come to pass yet? I got a closet full of things. I'm like, where are these things at? You know, and I, it's not like I've known and operated in this for a long time. This, this kind of revelation went off as I was preparing this message. I was like, well, that's cool. Now, we operate in this sometimes we don't even realize it because we get such a taste of God's goodness because he's so merciful towards us that all of a sudden our belief is activated as our heart is turned towards him and things are working. However, other times we, we, we make these bold declarations of faith, we take the promise of God as it says in his word, we're speaking this promise to the circumstance and that circumstance just ain't changing. And we're left like, I wonder what happened there. It worked the last time I did it. Like it's some kind of a formula. It's a foundation, it's not a formula. Put the right foundations first, okay? And then they'll start working. So true repentance is a persuaded heart. And these bold declarations of faith are simply empty words if they come from a heart that has never turned. Your heart will actually reject it. You start making bold proclamations about things. If it's not in your heart, your heart's gonna think, whoa, something's up because your heart wants to be connected to your mouth. Does that make sense? Okay. Repentance from dead works. So now that we've covered what repentance is, I wanna talk about dead works. Now dead works is anything we do in an attempt to change God's perspective of us. Remember, when we're in Christ, God sees us through the lens of truth. He sees us through the filter of the finished work of the cross. So he sees us, he sees perfection. So a dead work is anything that I do in an attempt to gain his approval. I've already got it. So it's a dead work because it is useless and it's pointless to do it. And I'll prove it to you. We do it all the time. Our motive is to get God's approval because we wanna increase the amount of worth that we perceive that he has for us. We, we get a performance-based mentality so that way we can feed our ego because our ego constantly wants to have something to do with it. All right, we wanna have some box to check. We wanna have some task that we can complete so that way we feel worthy. It can't be just a free gift, right? So we wanna feel like we have to earn it. So in Matthew 3, beginning in verse 16, it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, Jesus had infinite power and potential. The Bible said that Jesus did so many good works that if they were written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain all the good works that Jesus did. Yet he was approved before accomplishing the greatest and most fantastic work in history, which is our salvation. Acceptance always precedes accomplishments. God accepts us and approves of us before we ever accomplish a thing, before we ever gain one accolade. We are the sons and daughters of God and he is so good that he calls us his beloved and calls us good and he approves of us. So what makes us think that we can do anything to gain God's acceptance? 
What makes you think you can be super dad and God's gonna like you more? What makes you think you can put in the perfect performance at work and God's gonna approve you more? What, thinks you, what makes you think you can be the perfect husband or wife and God's gonna like you more? What makes you think that you're gonna have the perfect string of obedience and the perfect polished West Michigan behavior and God's gonna look kindly upon you? Why do we even think that? That's not what God did with Jesus. I guarantee you, we're not gonna come close to doing what the Son of God did. God looks at you and he is well pleased. Why? Because his perspective, his truth through the finished work of the cross does not change. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus stated in John chapter six that no one can come to the Father or come to him unless the Father draws him. So now I wanna talk about the goodness of God, which is my favorite subject ever. Because the goodness of God is what draws men and women to repentance. It's nice to know what repentance means. It's nice to know what dead works means and that we should repent from dead works. But where it all comes together and fits in whenever we're dealing with a culture that doesn't understand the kingdom of God is that it's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. It says it like this in Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? That is outstanding news. Because if we don't understand the riches of God's goodness, we are gonna constantly live our lives with a poverty mentality. And I'm not just talking about finances. If we don't understand the goodness of God, we are gonna live a life with a poverty spirit, which means we're gonna live a life with meager possibilities. Every situation we find ourselves in is gonna be robbed of hope. We're not gonna have much hope. We're gonna be like Eeyore from Sesame Street. Oh, I guess the Lord's never gonna bless me. Never seems to turn out right for me. Something bad always happens. So-and-so got the raise, it's not me. There's a different voice that's speaking to you tonight. You can almost hear the voice of John the Baptist saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has arrived and now you are approved. God's goodness is glorious and his goodness is intentional. The heart of God is for us, he is extravagant. His love captivates us because he is good. And real change happens in our lives. Real change happens when we experience his heart. I can't tell, tell you how many times I've walked into the darkness of my own failure, tasted the bitterness of the consequences, but yet I can feel the warmth and the love and the goodness of God that draws me back into change. I had a really bad backslide about two years after I was born again. And I ran from God, I ran back into the darkness and really messed up my life and made a lot of poor decisions. And nothing could get me out of this dark hole that I had put myself into. And then I finally mustered up enough courage to go back to church after this hiatus of living in the wilderness. And it was in the very first worship song that God began to speak to me. And he says, I have not loosed you from anything that I've called you to do, despite what you've done. That's goodness. 
I want you to understand that tonight. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're gonna do, you're covered. God's got you. Now that does not mean you go out these doors and live like it's Las Vegas. It's an empowering idea. It's a concept that God is so good, there's more for me. We'll never live up to the fullness of what God has created us to enjoy. But I tell you what, I'm gonna pursue it with a tenacity because I'm gonna get as much of it as I can because here's the thing with God. God puts no limit on the amount of goodness that you can experience with him. He puts no limit on the amount of intimacy or the amount of his heart that you can taste here on earth. The psalmist David says, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. It's a good idea that we're gonna be in heaven forever and experience no sadness, no pain, no tears, no sorrow. But he says, I will taste the goodness of God in the land of the living. Today is a day of salvation, and now is the time of his favor. I wanna get as much of it as I can right now while I'm here on earth, and I wanna take as many people as I can with me. And when you do that, you live a life where your light, the light of God just radiates out of you where it makes people, they're just drawn to you. They wanna see what is, what is going on with that person. Okay? Live life like you're crazy. Live in La Vida Loca. Because with God, it's funny. It's fun. So the Father's pursuing us. He's drawing us. He's calling us with his goodness. He challenges us to taste and see that he is good. We're told that we're to overcome evil with good, Jesus went about doing, come on, play along with me, good, right? So what if our biggest challenge was this? What if our biggest challenge isn't to see how much sin and dysfunction we can avoid, but to see how much of the goodness of God we can enjoy? What we focus on, we move towards. So remember, the kingdom of God is about a perspective. It's about a mindset. What are we focusing on? How much of the goodness of God can we experience in our own hearts? And the bigger question is, how much of the goodness of God can we walk in to change our world? I wanna share a story with you. You guys got that picture? Put that picture up for me. Okay, this is my friend Joyce. This is back when I was selling cars in Augusta, Georgia. My wife and I were at a church in, uh, in, in South Carolina. I was a children's pastor. God help those kids. And my wife was leading worship at this little church. So I was selling Subarus and you know, I had so much fun because I was always focused on the goodness of God. It was just, I, I just love showing people the goodness of God. So Joyce comes in, she was in active military. She's an atheist and a lesbian. So we encounter these situations all the time, don't we? In our culture. And the problem is we don't know how to respond. So Joyce was asking all kinds of questions to trap me about what I thought was a sin. Was homosexuality a sin? What, what, is being an atheist a sin? And I wasn't answering any of that, right? Because I know who she is and what God's calling her to be. I know what God created her to be, so I treated her like that. I just showed her the goodness of God. I told her I loved her. I told her, listen, God's got this plan for you. He, he's, he's, he, you're his daughter. You're gonna see that. You're gonna encounter his goodness. And I just kept you know, just speaking positive words over her. So finally, after about three visits, she ordered that vehicle. So then it took two months. So in that two months that her vehicle took to be built and to arrive in Augusta, Georgia, that seed had germinated. Something had changed when she came back to pick it up. 
So we were waiting on it to be detailed because she had an extra accessory put on. And so I bought her lunch. We sat at my desk and ate, we ate lunch. And then she started asking me about Jesus. And she wanted to know him. She's like, all those things that you said that I was, my, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I felt like God was just chasing me down. And I wanna I want know how to experience that. So right there, before she even took the keys to, to drive her new car off, I led her in the prayer of salvation. She became born again. She turned from her lifestyle, all because of the goodness of God. So why is, if we overcome evil with good, you know, why is evil winning in our country? And I believe it's because of the church. Yes, I said it. I could probably get fired for saying that. But here's the thing. As believers, we don't know how to oppose or, or we don't know how to interact with opposing forces. We automatically respond in judgment. Why do we do that? It's because it's, it's a nature that we inherited from the enemy at the beginning that we have to get free of. In the Garden of Eden, Everything that God created was good. God created this. He called it good. He called it good. He called it good. Seven times in, in Genesis chapter one alone, it says God said it was good. So goodness was a prerequisite from the very beginning. But then here comes Satan, this deceiver. He has no power in and of himself. He has to, he has to lie, steal, and cheat and get you to believe something that is a lie to get you into a place where you're deficient. So he questions Eve, and the first thing he does is he gets her to doubt God's goodness. As soon as she doubts God's goodness, she takes that apple. Adam takes the apple, and then we get this condition. Thank you very much. But I always think it's funny because if we were in that position, we'd have probably done the same thing too. So we can't really point a finger at Adam and Eve. No matter who it was, they'd have done it. In Psalm 84, verse 11, this is gonna be a verse that is gonna give you guys so much freedom. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Walking uprightly is not behavior modification. It's not putting up a certain facade or wearing certain labels that scream, I'm a good Christian. Walking uprightly means that you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're covered by the blood of Jesus. And if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, the Bible says it right here. No good thing does he with those, withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Turn your heart towards the goodness of God. Do you need healing? Do you need finances? Do you need provisions? Do you need relationships to be restored? What do you need? What do you need that God can't handle? Because no good thing would he, would, he, would he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So if you're in Christ, you're walking uprightly. So no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So if you're not receiving the promise, I guarantee you the disconnect is not on God's end. That's an unpopular message. But here's what happens to those of us who believe in things, but we haven't yet turned our heart towards the goodness of God. Somehow the enemy will come in and deceive us that our faith isn't strong enough. And then we feel even worse. Oh, maybe I just need to believe some more. Or maybe I need to have more faith. It's a bunch of baloney. Just turn your heart towards the goodness of God. Because when you understand that God is good, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Okay? So 
my question to you is, what do you need tonight that the goodness of God hasn't already taken care of? This creates a boldness and a courage within us. Can no longer are we sitting back waiting on God. God is so passionately aggressing towards us to cover us with his grace, to give us the promises which he gave so much for us to enjoy. And I always think it's funny because people will talk about the sovereignty of God, but really they don't understand the sovereignty of God. As if God's got some pre, pre, preset time that he's gonna release your healing or some preset time he's gonna release the promise or some preset time he's gonna restore that relationship. God's got no preset time in regards to his sovereignty. His sovereignty was screaming out loud at the cross when he sent Jesus to suffer shame and to die. That's the sovereignty of God. Jesus even said it, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. So again, we go back to that verse. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. What do you need? Seize it. Take hold of it with the hope of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what is hope? Hope is a confident expectation of good. God is good. So no longer are we gonna be challenged by these situations with lack and deficiency. We're gonna start challenging situations with the goodness of God. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God's working for our good. And the beautiful thing that happens when we repent, whether we make a mistake or whether we just miss it by not believing a truth that God tells us, there's a beautiful thing that happens when we repent. God's working it for good. All right, he's working it for good. So what, you're what I'm telling you is, is that no matter how bad you've blown it, turn your heart towards God, he's gonna work it for good. How can he do that? I don't know. I don't know your situation. He does. But he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't show any one of us more favor than the other. We're all his beloved children. We're all his family. So again, why is evil winning in our culture if this is the goodness of God? We learn to walk in it. We're gonna change our culture. We learn to walk in the goodness of God. There is no defense against extravagant love. When you walk in the goodness of God and start pouring his love all over people, people can't defend themselves. You can have somebody come, you up, come up to you and just curse you out and call you anything but a child of God. And if you respond to them, great. I'm glad you pointed it out to me. Can I tell you what God thinks about you? And tell them how much God loves them, how much he appreciates them and values them, how he's created them with purpose. You really wanna start flowing in the goodness of God, start prophesying good things over people. They're gonna have nothing to say. There's no defense against extravagant love. Start walking in the goodness of God, you're gonna see your workplace change, you're gonna see your family change, you're gonna see your relationships change, you're gonna see everything change. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. This is gonna describe some people that we don't want to be, or that we do wanna be in, in contrast of who we don't wanna be. We don't wanna be those people who are just berating people because of their sin and their mistakes. Don't be that guy, don't be that woman. There's no sense in telling people what they're doing is wrong. I guarantee you they already know it. Tell them what's right about them. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, but you are not like that. 
For you are God's chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's awesome. Now, I want to do two things here as I close. The first is our application point. Retroactive beliefs are coming to pass right now because you've just learned how to persuade your heart. You've just learned about the goodness of God and you're thinking about the goodness of God right now. Think about it. Think about the landscape that it opens up, the vista that it opens up, how wide and how deep and the breadth and the length of God's love for you, his goodness. Now that you're turning your heart towards his goodness, all the things that you've been believing for that haven't worked out, they're gonna come to pass, okay? I want you to receive that, okay? I want you to continue to persuade your heart that God is good and grab hold of those beliefs that haven't quite worked out because God has given you a measure of faith that works. You are approved, you are powerful, you are the beloved of God and you are more than a conqueror. Remember last week, we talked about how we should speak God's word over our lives. Again, it's, God's word is everything. If you're not in God's word, you don't have a leg to stand on. I beg you, get into God's word. Understand who he is. Understand who you are and start making those bold declarations over yourself. Start going to bed at night, praising him and thanking him for the good that he did that day. Wake up the next morning ready to fight the good fight. Make, it, make the kingdom of God a lifestyle. If everyone would close their eyes, please. The second call to action. If I've been speaking tonight about the goodness of God and his heart for you in the backdrop of the finished work of Christ, Jesus Christ gave so much. He gave his very life. He suffered pain. He suffered shame, rejection, abandonment. He took all of the curse. He took all of the penalty for sin. He took it upon his body and then gave his body up as a perfect sacrifice. If I've been talking tonight and you're curious, you wanna know what it's like to be a child of God. You wanna open the doors to a lifestyle that's absolutely immaculate and crazy with God, that's so good that you're gonna figure out and understand who he made you to be. You're gonna understand the glory of his goodness. You're gonna experience his empowering presence and you're gonna see the truth, his perspective of you and who he created you to be. So I'm gonna to count to three. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Number one, you're saying, I've been walking in the darkness. I've been walking away from God and I wanna turn back to him and discover his love and who I am in that love. Two, you're saying I repent and I'm turning and I'm gonna believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he fulfilled everything that the Bible said that he did, that he is everything the Bible says that he is. And I wanna make him the Lord of my life. I wanna have him come into my heart and wake me up. Three, that's you, raise your hand real quick. If you wanna to come tonight, Thank you, sir. Anyone else? 
awesome. If everybody would stand, please. Let's pray this prayer together with the ones who raised their hands. The Bible says that all of heaven erupts in celebration when just one sinner comes to repentance. Just one. So we're gonna rejoice too. So let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for your goodness. We turn to your heart right now because you are good. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your Lordship. Jesus, we believe in you. We believe that you died, but more importantly, we believe that you rose again. And we confess you as Lord and Savior right now in Jesus' name. Amen.